Open your Bibles with me to Zechariah chapter 13. So we know... Let's, let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Lord, thank you for Grace Baptist Church. Lord, thank you for the love that you've given us for your word. Lord, help us to stand for the truth and the right spirit. And Lord, help us to understand how serious you are about these things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when you're a church like ours, we're not a legalistic church, but we take God's word seriously. Amen? We believe every word. And we want to be obedient to every word. What happens is as the culture drifts away from the truth, we're going to look weirder and weirder. You know, how many of you know people that think that we are a really extreme church? Right? How many of you know some really extreme churches? You know, you can't even see them from us. I, I, I would love to see some of those people go there, you know, and to see what it's like. And the issue for us is we just believe the Bible. Look at, you've got Zechariah. Go to Psalm 119. And I know that you all know these verses, but this is a good uh, kickoff to where I want to go tonight. So Psalm 119. And look at verse 104. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. I hate every false way. Um, this past week, uh, Eric Edwards sent me a video and an, an article about Francis Chan. How many of you have heard of Francis Chan? And he's a very influential man in evangelicalism. He wrote a book recently about the church, and we addressed that here. Um, I had a friend who was using it, so I got it, and I read it very quickly and just identified all kinds of errors in it. And so he's just headed in a really weird direction. And I want you to see this video, and it's very short. This is, this is Francis Chan speaking. So go ahead, guys. It's amazing, isn't it? So what he's talking about is the divided chancel. And what you had was you had a place on one side where they would read the Scripture. You'd have a communion table. Then over here you'd have the pulpit. And you know what happened? The Bible reading and the preaching never did come together. See, this idea that we as a church were supposed to come together and celebrate the body and blood of Jesus, where did he get that? We're supposed to come together and celebrate the risen Savior. And then it just says, as oft as you drink it, as oft as you eat it, you do show the Lord's death till he come. The Bible doesn't give any prescription as to how often we're supposed to have the Lord's Supper. We do it less frequently than other churches so that it's more significant when we do it. But every Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the clip cut off what he said. At, right at the beginning, and our guys didn't cut it off. That's the way the clip is in the, the, that we received. But he's talking about the literal presence of Jesus Christ in the sacraments, in the, in the, the elements of the Lord's Supper. 
Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus' body is in one place. And we worship him. We don't worship the bread. Do you know what that is? That's idolatry. Okay, you say, Pastor, why is that? Okay, it's good that we know that. And isn't it good that you just saw that right there? That guy's nuts. I don't know what else to say. When you're watching him, the way that he speaks, what he's trying to emphasize, he's not getting it from the Bible. Was there any scripture read? He wants the church to be something other than what it is. How many of you wish that you loved each other better? Right? Are there areas that we can improve and grow? His problem is the institutional church. He doesn't like this. He doesn't think this is right. And so there are so many other areas where we can go. But look at Zechariah chapter 13. I want you to see something. Pretty interesting. We're going to read verses 2 through 5. And it shall come to pass when? All right, everybody there, Zechariah 13, 2. And it shall come to pass when? saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. And it shall come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that begat him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord, And his father and his mother that begat him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophets shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he hath prophesied. Neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. But he shall say, I am no prophet. I am an husbandman. I'm a farmer. For man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. Lord, help us to understand this text in Jesus' name. Amen. That whole idea that somehow the pulpit became central. I just have to say a couple of things. I don't want to move to the text. He's a liar. He's a bald-faced liar. Why do I know that? I just learned that for 1,500 years... It was all done the same way. And then 500 years ago, I just learned that. He graduated from Master's Seminary. That's John MacArthur's school. Do you know what you have to do to graduate from MacArthur's school? You have to read all the Reformers' writings. You have to read the Church Fathers. Remember we showed you the video? We love dead people. Remember he said that? We read the church fathers. We read the reformers. Did the reformers have anything to say about the Lord's Supper, about transubstantiation? A whole lot. And now let me ask you a question. That 1,500 years where they took communion seriously, how many of you come from a Roman Catholic background? Did that priest take that seriously? Man, I, you, you watch the way that they do. They get done. They, they, they drink it. The, so many times it's just a rite. It's, very, it's done very quickly. You've got to get this out of the way. Um, if you go to Europe, when, when Martin Luther went to Rome for the first time and he went to Mass, um, he, he, was, he was disgusted by the way that they did it because it, was, it had to be fast because you had to get more people in. 
And if a guy said a sermon and the sermon was too long, it messed up the schedule. And then that messed up the amount of money that was coming in to light the candles and to say the prayers and all of those things. Now, let me just ask you something. Do you think Francis Chan doesn't know that? What are the chances that he doesn't know that? I'm just telling you, there is not a conservative, a Protestant. He went to a Protestant seminary. Do you know what Protestants are? (laughs) They're people that came out of the Reformation. They protested against the Catholic Church and the errors of the Catholic Church. It, it it, It would be, listen, it's impossible that he didn't know that. Now, like I said in Sunday school, here's a better statement. Yes, I had learned about the Reformation. I had learned about these issues with the Lord's Supper. But as I began meditating on it, I came to this conclusion. Now, he'd still be wrong, but at least he would be honest. I'm just telling you, for him to stand up and say he didn't know that the Catholics had done this. How about this? He didn't know that there was only one church for a thousand years. Has there ever been one church? Yes. When the apostles all gathered together the first time and the Holy Spirit came, there was that one. After that, then you got people involved and you got trouble. He didn't know. How many of you think he's becoming a Catholic? Is that what it looked like? Right there? Now, Whether or not he becomes a Roman Catholic, he's certainly a Catholic because he believes there's only one church. And, of course, that's what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. There's only one, and they're it. What do we teach? There's only one body of Christ, and it's seated at the right hand of the Father, and every saved person is in that body. And this local assembly is a picture of that. Are we the only one? You see, that kind of error... That, that kind of, now let me just, I hope that that kind of speech is not persuasive to anyone in this room. I hope that we have been doctrinally clear enough that you can know that that's just absolute garbage. But how many of you would not have noticed that he was lying? Be honest with me. How many of you would not have noticed that he was lying? How many of you really thought that he was lying? That's interesting. That's interesting. So don't listen to liars. Okay? That's a good, that's a really good, young people. Here's, a, here's good instruction for you for your future. Don't listen to a preacher that's a liar. Right? If I tell you I can dunk a basketball, go to another church. <laughs> Don't listen to liars. All right. So now, let's, let's go to Zechariah. You'll see what, what this is, how this ties together. Look at verse 2. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. So he he stops the idols, and then at the end of the verse, and also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. So what are the idols that are in the land? Catholicism. We're talking about now. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to cut off the idols. How many of you have seen pictures or videos of the Church of the Holy Sepulcher? It's idolatry. Every bit of it is idolatry. It is full of idols. Full of idols. And it's interesting. I, 
maybe it was James Knox or someone else that I was reading, he said, do you want to see whether or not there's idols? Go into, into one of those churches in Jerusalem, one of the churches in Jerusalem, and throw the Bible on the floor and watch what happens. And then knock over one of their idols. See which one they get upset about. And here's what they say. It was Brother Knox, and I was listening to him in preparation for this. And he listened to the statement that he made. And I had forgotten this. I knew this from when I was a child, but for some reason I hadn't heard this statement again in years and years and years. They say they're not idols, they're aids to worship. How many of you have heard that? They're aids to worship. Who needs an aid to worship? They are idols. When I was at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, and I watched people line up, and there were spots on the wall, and they would go over and kiss this thing. They'd kiss their hand and touch this spot. And they'd bow down at another spot. And they'd kiss the toe on another image. Kissing the toe of an idol. What does that have to do with Christianity? Are y'all with me on this? I'm not making it up. When Jesus Christ returns, all of that idolatry will be removed. Which direction? Is Francis Chan heading in the right direction or the wrong direction? That's interesting, isn't it? It is idolatry. And every one of those idols is going to be wiped out of the land and someone will say, that, you know, they used to worship this. What, what's that name? And no one will be able to remember it because God's going to cause it to where the name cannot even be remembered. Balaam won't be remembered. How about this? Mary. Francis. They're not going to be remembered. Isn't that awesome? But look at verse 2 again. I want you to see something. This is pretty amazing. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. Okay, the land. What land is he talking about? The United States or is he talking about Israel? What's the prophet in that region now? Who's the prophet? Mohammed. How about that? Who's the unclean spirit? Allah. So the, I, just, man, we got to take a, who wants to take a church trip to Israel? Who wants to do that? We need to do this. We got to do it. Wade loves airplanes. We'll put him in the cargo hold. We need to do this so that you can see it. Man, the idolatry, it's crazy. The idolatry is unbelievable. And then Islam. So when I was there, uh, my friend uh, Jay Ross, he lives there. He took us down. He took me down to the Kotel Tunnel. And so that's the weeping wall, the wailing wall. You've seen it. Well, there's a tu there are tunnels that run the whole length of the city underneath there. And so we went down and toured that. And as we were coming up, these guys with automatic weapons said, no, you've got to go back the other way because we were coming up into the wrong side of the city at the wrong time, and there were people there ready to ambush us. Now, it really is safe there. It's hard to believe. They, they, they keep you safe. 
by people with automatic weapons to getting you to go to the other direction so that you don't go to the wrong spot. But it's so interesting that when Jesus Christ establishes his throne in that day, the idols are all going to be gone. They won't be remembered anymore. Let me make a comment about the idols before I go back to the prophet thing. Um, so after the Babylonian captivity, so they come back and, and Zechariah is prophesying to them and they finish the temple. Um, idol worship has not been a part of Judaism since then. Isn't that interesting? They're not worshiping Baal. They're not building high places. Idol worship is not a part of Judaism anymore. So this right here, this has to be talking about Catholicism. Isn't that interesting? And then the prophet, the prophet in that area, there are not... Now, are there uh, Orthodox Jewish prophets? Yes. No one listens to them. They have no influence. This is talking about those other false prophets. Now, I want you to notice something. This is pretty interesting. It says... Um, Middle, end of verse 2 again. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. And it shall come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that begat him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live. Why is that? So remember what a prophet does. A prophet would foretell the sufferings of Christ or the glory that would follow. So that's what prophets prophesy about. The coming Messiah, his first coming to die, his second coming to rule and reign. That's what the prophets prophesied about. We don't need them anymore because his death has been accomplished and his glorification will be accomplished at this point. Now, you ready for something? How many of you want to see something really cool? Y'all ready? You want to see something really, you guys want to see something really cool? You don't care. Look at nobody answered. Look at this. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Pretty interesting right here. Look at um, First Corinthians 13. Look at verse 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Look at this. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I want you to think about this. Uh, often preachers teach that that's the Bible. That's not the case. When the perfect one, Jesus Christ, comes, we no longer need prophecy. Because he's there. Can I look, look at this? Look at um, look at verse twelve. 
for now we see through a glass darkly, but then, what's it say? Face to face. Face to face with the scriptures? No. Face to face with Jesus. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 11. All right. He, what, what passage did I tell you? Did I say Hebrews 11? Good. That's where I want you. Like verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Right? So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you know why we don't need prophets in the millennium? Because we can see him. You don't have to go to a prophet to hear from God. What do you do? You go to Jesus and ask him the question. Jesus himself is going to answer. What did we look at in Isaiah chapter 2 this morning? Let's ascend to the hill of the Lord. Let's have him teach us. Let's learn. Let's hear this. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, faith. Um... Another thing that's interesting look with me at um, trying to decide where to go. Look at Jeremiah chapter thirty one. Look at verse 34. Well, maybe 33, just for the context. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Look at those next three days. I'm sorry, three words. Look at those next three words. After those days. So remember, those days you look for the tribulation. So after the tribulation of those days... And that's the way that it says it in Matthew chapter 25, after the tribulation of those days. So, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, look at this. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. And I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So the amazing thing is, you won't have to teach them, because God's going to put it in their hearts. God's going to write it in their hearts. You don't need a prophet, because he's here. His death has been accomplished. His glory has been accomplished. You don't need someone to teach you, because he's put it in your hearts. But not only has he put it in your hearts, but you can go and sit before him and have him teach you. That's what's happening in the kingdom. Isn't that fantastic? What an amazing book we have and what an amazing future we have. Go back to Zechariah.
That face-to-face, man, that is something to look for, isn't it? Face-to-face. So look at verse 3, and it shall come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that begat him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and his mother that begat him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. Do you know what that's called? Social justice. See, here's what people have, people are clamoring for a just society. There's no need to wait for adjudication. Because if someone begins prophesying... Why is this so bad? Because the king is there. See, if they're prophesying, they're saying he's not the one. And do you know what the penalty for that is? Immediate death. And what's interesting is the parents are willing and ready to do it because they love Jesus even more than they love their children. Do you know what that is? That's right. That's justice. Now, if your kids say something bad, don't run them through with a spear. This is not the millennium. Amen. They're still little sinners. Their sin has not been removed. And we're certainly not living in the presence of Jesus Christ sitting on the throne. Amen. But that is the future. That's where it's going. Notice what it says. Um... They're not going to wear a rough garment. Uh, It says that in verse 4, And it shall come to pass that the prophets shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he hath prophesied, neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. So remember John the Baptist. He came in in his camel hair, camel skin, just rough garments. These prophets wear rough garments. That's not going to happen anymore. But he shall say, I am no prophet. I am an husbandman. For man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. Do you know what's going to happen during the kingdom? Work. Work. And it's going to be good, honest work. Now, it's also rest. Do you know what the good news for us is? Whatever work we do, we're going to have a perfect sinless body. We won't get tired. And whatever work we do, it'll be fulfilling work. And I don't know what it's going to be. But God ordained work before the fall. But won't it be good to work and to do things that you enjoy? And God's going to give you fulfillment and satisfaction as you do that work. And you've got something that you can do for the Lord. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. Because I don't know about you guys. I enjoy work. I enjoy what I get to do. I think it's wonderful. And now imagine being able to do that without the distractions of sin, without the distractions of the flesh, without the distractions of weakness. It's going to be wonderful. Be honest. How many of you, how many of you really you enjoy working? You enjoy work. God made us to do that, and it's going to be wonderful. But I've got to tell you, now it's a little harder to work. It, you know what the hardest thing probably in the world to do is? Get down and do something under the sink and get back up. <laughs> I think that, when did this happen? When did I get to, Jacob dropped me off at church tonight. Laura was running an errand in my car and I got out of Laura's car. I'm in the passenger seat 
And I felt like I was sitting on the ground. How do I get out of this car? When did this happen? You want to know something in the kingdom? It's not going to be like that. Amen. Let's go back to our text. Verse 5. But he shall say, I am no prophet. I am no prophet. I'm so thankful that where there be prophecies, they shall fail. That's going to stop. That's going to end. There's going to come a time when we don't need a prophet because the prophets were talking about Jesus. And Jesus is right there. Don't need the prophet anymore. Aren't you looking forward to that day? Won't that be wonderful? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth. Thank you that we can know your word. Thank you for the book of Zechariah. Lord, I am excited about the text that I get to preach next week out of Zechariah.